All right, for those uh, who are here with us uh, for the first time, let me kind of give you a summary so you can see where our lesson today is going to fit into the big scheme of things. The whole intent of this class over the last several months has talked about how can we walk with the Spirit? How can we listen to the Spirit? And so Andy has been taking us through a lot of lessons and he's talking about the different ways that we can interact with the Spirit. And, and then a couple of, about three weeks ago, I, I came back and built on the fact that we, uh, what Andy has been talking about is that each man has a spirit, each man and woman has a spirit, each man and woman has a soul, and each man and woman has a body. And so we've been kind of assimilating of how when we're led by the Holy Spirit through our spirit. And then about three weeks ago, I came back and talked about the heart. A lot of times we associate emotion with heart, but really, uh, as, I, as Andy pointed out, there are a thousand and six verses in the Old and New Testament referring to the heart, but there is not a concise one-sentence definition of the heart. So I've kind of summarized it from the standpoint that the heart is a woven set of beliefs. Uh, I still think I have that. It's a woven set of beliefs that ends up identifying what our character and our identity are um, as, as individuals and what makes us all unique. And, and just like this rope is woven together with a lot of different strands, that's like your belief system. And everything you believe has come into this rope of your life. And I've tied this into, a, in one sense, it can be a noose. It can hang you and kill you. Or it can be a rope thrown to your rescue, which you can put over your head, under your arms, and it can pull you out of the trouble that you're in or the darkness that you're in and pull you into light. So in order for us to understand, all of this comes about because we choose to believe and as you see on the top of the sheet that I handed out to you, uh, there is always a reason why we are the way we are. There is always a reason why we have a certain character. Now, I'm not talking about personality trait, okay? Jeannie and I are very different. She's even keel, and I'm, I'm this. I'm all over the place. You're Peter, I'm John. Yeah. Well, that's a nice way to put it. And, uh, and so, <laughs> but when it comes to the heart, there's, uh, when, you, when you refer to someone, uh, we typically refer to their character. When we talk about our presidents, we talk about character, we talk about identity. And you can only determine your character and identity through a set of beliefs that come out of your heart. So whatever you sow in your heart, you're going to reap in your character and your identity. Okay? And that character and identity comes from your set of beliefs which can either save you or drag you down into the pits. And so the critical part of looking at the heart is what we choose to believe becomes reality. How can two children grow up in the same family and one grow up bitter and the other grow up happy. It comes down to what you choose to believe 
in your experience. Okay? A lot of times we want to blame the parents, and it may be the parents, but that's not the only option. There is the option that we make a choice to believe, and what we choose to focus on becomes reality, and whatever voice we listen to becomes our reality. Our belief system tells us what to listen to or who to listen to, and it also choose, it, it tells us where to focus. That's why your belief system is so, so very important. That's why the psalmist says, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Are you with me? Okay, now, I'm going to leave that right there for a second. I'm going to get out of this. Okay, now, I have... Uh, Last week we talked about in order for us to change, we have to plant into our hearts. And we must, be, uh, in, in what, we must focus on what we're planting in our hearts, and we must be very intentional about what we plant in our heart. And then once we experience what we have planted, then it's important for us to share with one another. Now, the next, the next stage of that is, is that... We're not on this spiritual journey in isolation. Are you with me? You may think you're alone, but you're not alone. Whether you believe it or not, it's your choice. There, we're in a, there, there are spiritual forces in our world. Some are good, some are not good. And, and so as we take this journey, these spiritual forces are vying for our attention. They're vying for our ears. They're vying for our eyes. They want us. They're constantly calling for our attention. They're constantly calling us. They're constantly calling our name. Listen to me. Listen to me. I've got what you want. And so as we talk about the parable of the soil, soils, um, I put together this chart um, this is just kind of how I think. And for some, it may be clutter. I hope it's helpful. And if it's clutter, throw it away. You're not going to hurt my feelings. And you can, you can look at it another way. But let me tell you what I want us to focus on this morning. I want us to focus on this section right in here. Okay? Um, now, before I jump into that, let me say a couple other things. Uh, Jesus was, when he first gave this parable, his disciples turned around and asked, why do you teach in parables? And Jesus answered, to you it has been given to know, listen, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. Keep that word right there, understand. 
with them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says you will indeed listen but never understand and you will indeed look but never perceive <coughs> for this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart in turn and I would heal them so what why does Jesus speak in parables This is the interaction time. <laughs> it's a seed. It's, it's a, a seed. If you, if you have the ears and the heart, you want to understand. And if you don't, you don't. Okay. A parable is a way of telling a story that if you're interested or if you're open, it's going to draw you. If you're not open, if you're not interested, if you think everything is under control, then you won't, you won't understand. And so what he is saying is the kingdom, the secrets of the kingdom of God is open to everyone. And the key is our hearts are open to new seeds. Our hearts are open to new thoughts. Our hearts are open to new ideas, new perspectives, and new beliefs. The scholars call this replacement, a, a replacement narrative. You're replacing one narrative for another. Okay? You're replacing one set of beliefs for another set of beliefs. Why do immigrants come to America? They have, they have seen, they have heard, and they want, right? This is the concept of parables. When you realize that you're in oppression or you're in a place that is not healthy for you to be, where are your eyes going to go? What are your ears going to listen to? That's why Jesus says, if you're open, you can know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. How cool is that? How powerful is that? Now, in, in this setting, uh, I'm going to go back to uh, the chart. In this setting, our... Go, that was Matthew 13. Matthew 13 and starting verse 10. And going down through verse 15, I think. Okay? Alright, now, just so we're all on the same page... The soil, when it's referring to the soil, it's referring to our hearts. And where does the heart sit? Between the spirit and the soul. And so our heart, so he's addressing the conditions of the heart or the conditions of the soil. And Jesus is the word. And in John chapter 1 it says, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we're not talking about memorizing printed words, are we? We're talking about believing in a living person, a living being. Jesus said in John 6 when He was feeding the 5,000, He said, you came because I fed you. And they'd say, well, you need to do some works to show us. And He said, no, your work is to believe in the One whom the Father has sent. 
Your job is not to do. Your job is to believe. That doesn't mean you don't do because you can't believe and not do. You can't have faith without works. But when you put your doing before your faith, you're going to end up with rules. Are you with me? Okay, now, so, as we looked at, at this in verse 19, I'm not going to read these verses, uh, so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn it to Matthew 13, you want to look at the passages, feel free to do that. It says that when the seeds fell on a path, it was packed soil. They hear not and they see not. Now, why don't people see? They're not open to see, but but why are they why are they not open? Huh? They're, they can be distracted. Absolutely, choosing not to see. Well, their heart is hard, and 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 I think distraction is definitely one of them. I think another one is life is good. I'm happy. Why do I want to change? I didn't know what I was missing. Right. Right. I thought I was happy. Because if you, if you determine who you listen to and who you, where you focus on, Jeannie and I went on a uh, mission trip to Georgetown, Guyana, and it just so happens that one of the ladies that worked in customs, that we met in customs, came to a Bible study, and she became a Christ, Christian, and we became very close to her in that two-week period. And they say, we, uh, we asked her, said, how can you deal with the fact that the Americans come in because the average monthly income for a Guyanese uh, was $30 a month. It's crazy. And, uh, and, and she said, this is how we deal with it. What the eyes do not see, the heart does not desire. Isn't that good? That has always stuck with me. Remember at me asking you a couple of weeks ago, what are words have been spoken to you that you have never forgotten? That's, that's, been, that's one of those words. And so when you feel like life is good and you don't need anything else, or you're distracted, or you're naive, uh, there's, there, we just kind of go about life not thinking that the choices that we make today have a domino effect in our life. Every decision, every decision has a domino effect. Are you with me? There's no isolated choice. And it's not just limited to me. It's, and, and, and I'm not, this is not politics either way. It's not what Bill Clinton does in private and what he does in public. Or Donald Trump, for that matter. Or any of our people that have been in trouble lately. Because it comes down to uh, who we are and how we live that life. You're comfortable. You're distracted. It's so, it's, so, it's, so, it's so common for us to get the urgent before the important. When I get all this done, I will. Are you with me? Another big factor is I'm in control. The, the ungodly belief is if it's to be, it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. Now I guarantee you, everybody in this room has some of that in them. Because you've grown up in a Western culture. 
that teaches individualism and it's up to you to yank yourself up by your bootstraps and get your act together. And when you fall, it's up to you to get yourself up. If, if you're in this situation, it's, it's your choice. Now, true, we may have made some, made some choices, but the reality is when, when you're in the pits from a spiritual perspective, you can't get yourself out. I'm as strong-willed as anybody in this room, and I'm telling you, I couldn't get myself out of the pit. And when depression knocks you on your tail, I don't care how strong-willed you are, there is no will. It's, it evaporates. And you can only depend on someone who is greater than yourself. And, that, and the godly belief that's going to help take you out of that is that until you truly start striving that without God my situation is hopeless, then the result is going to be no lasting fruit, no meaningful life, and death. Now, here's the thing I want us to talk about. We do so many things because it makes us feel good. But it doesn't last. Now, I'm not, I'm not against watching TV. So, this is not a slam on TV, movies, or anything. But I believe one of the reasons we watch is because we're looking for something to distract us, to make us feel good, to change our attention, but it doesn't last. So, so this one is when someone just says, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. All right, this is where I want to spend the rest of our time this morning on these next three areas. And the rocky soil, it says, they hear and they see and they receive it with joy. <clears throat> but trouble comes along. Now, this, this, this particular, the, the rocky soil is, is receiving trouble and persecution because of what you believe. Okay? It's not trouble as far as getting in trouble. It's that if you believe something and somebody else doesn't believe it, we've grown up in a, in a faith tradition here that even though we don't have a written doctrine, if you step outside that doctrine, what's going to happen? You're going to get blackballed. You're going to get written up. Because there's a standard. Are you with me? Now, so there's trouble. So you're put under pressure is that word and it's persecution. And said it, they said it, they received this with joy. So what's really the essence of this one here? Why does, why does one fall away after trouble and persecution come? Not grounded, not rooted, okay? And, and what goes into them not being rooted? What's the belief? Remember, we do everything. We make every decision because there's a belief in here somewhere that's been woven into our, to our belief system. So what is the belief that makes us say no to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven when it comes to trouble and persecution? Excellent, excellent point. 
that when, when people are facing persecution, that God doesn't care. Because if God loves me, this wouldn't happen. Which goes back to the problem of evil. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Alright? Excellent. Excellent. What else? What other beliefs are in there? That's right. And if, and if I'm faithful to God and then trouble happens, who do I blame? God. Those two that you mentioned so far is a part of the rocky soil. Okay? Part of it too is kind of like when you go back to the pack soil, the focus is on you. Uh-huh. And so if I, as you said, I'm mad at God, I can be mad at myself. I'm doing something wrong. I'm looking at me and I'm figuring out that what I've done has caused this. That's right. That's right. We're, we're wanting to, uh, what's the word in counseling? We're wanting to trans, transfer it. We're wanting to put that off on someone else and not assume responsibility for ourselves. All right, what, what other beliefs are in here? Following God is supposed to be hard. Following God is not supposed to be hard. Where Jesus says, my commands are not... <laughs> How does that work? There's a belief in here in America, not in, not in the rest of the world, but in the Western world, that life is meant to be comfortable and convenient. Life... My parents worked hard so I would have a better life. Part of that belief system is if I have a better life, I'm not going to suffer. I'm not going to be inconvenienced. I'm not going to be uncomfortable. My parents didn't want me to experience another Great Depression, which I appreciate. I'm not, I'm, I'm not ungrateful for that, but the reality is if there's not the Great Depression, it's, it's what? The stock market, wars, getting fired, getting cancer. It's always, it's always something. And so the idea here is, is that, um, that I want a faith that does not require me to sacrifice or to suffer. The godly belief is, and we, we, we read over these passages, if I walk with Christ, I must suffer with Christ. So if you're going to fight this, this is the godly belief you fight it with. Okay? Now let's go to the thorny soil. They hurt, they hear, they see, they receive it with joy. But then Satan comes with the worries of life and the lure of wealth. Alright? Now, what are the worries of life? Let, let me rephrase that. But what are your worries of life? Children's emotional and spiritual security. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Providing for your family. Providing for your family. Good. What worries you? 
watching others suffer. What are your fears? Linda? The worst will happen in any situation and we can do nothing about it. The worst will happen in any situation and there is nothing we can do about it. That's very real. Very real. I'm here to tell you there's not a day that goes by that a worry doesn't impact your choices. Are you with me? And we're all wired differently. Jeannie is more frugal than I am. She's more money conscious than I am. As long as my, our account doesn't overdraft, I'm happy. As <laughs> long as there's enough in there to cover, whatever, I'm good. And this, this is not a negative. She checks our account every single day. Every day. And, but it's just the difference in who we are. My daughter Julie's just like me. Blake is just like her. It's not a man or woman. It's the things we think about. The things we're concerned about. Some of us are concerned about how people are going to perceive us today. So it impacts how you dress today. How you act when you walk into a room. If you're going to be perceived, if you're a part of a, Jeannie's a part of a project right now that's not doing very well. Whoever, who wants to be a part of a project that's going to fail and make you look bad? Right? And what I, all I'm trying to say is, and then the lures of wealth. Now, this is a tricky one. What's wealth? <laughs> Thank you. It's always the person right above you. Chances are most of us in this room would not consider ourselves wealthy. Right? But compared to who? Um, here's... Here's the way I like to look at that in addition to what you just said, Greg. And that is, uh, the lure of wealth is, I want the next best thing. I'm guilty. I'm the most guilty one in this room. And it's right here on my wrist. <laughs> Are you with me? I don't have to have an eye watch to tell time. To know when I'm supposed to do things. You know why I have this? Because I love these kind of things. And Jeannie only has one because I bought it. But she loves it. So she's been drawn into the trap. And I can feel much better about my purchase. <laughs> Lured her in, got her snuck in there, and now I'm comfortable once again. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? 
Isn't that how it works, right? That's what marriage is about. That's what marriage is about. Yeah. She's been working on me for 42 years to get me to go in the opposite direction, but she's making progress. John? Well, I thought John D. Rockefeller, who at that time was the richest man in the world, when he was asked how much is enough, he said, one more dollar than I have now, which means there's never enough. There's never enough. There's never enough. And so you receive it with joy while life is good, but if, it, but if worries arise or the way of me prospering or keeping up with the Joneses. I can say that because both my daughters were married Joneses, you know. Or, um, or the comparison trap. Jeannie did a lesson for some ladies recently on, on the comparison trap that we fall into. For young mothers, Facebook is a death because all you see are smiley faces and the different people that are going to different places and doing different things. I must not be a very good mom because they're taking their kids to do this and they've experienced this and what I've done, I've, I've just sat at home with them all day and I'm just thankful they're alive. But I don't feel like I'm a good mama because I'm not out doing what everybody else is doing. You see how these things are work in our life? So it's it's so life is good, but if it calls it but then the worries come up and then the lures come up. Every commercial on TV is to, is in its intent is to make you dissatisfied. Every single commercial. Right? What's a bigger picture of what we're talking about here? I mean, what, what's, I mean, are we really talking about, is this really set in a time where they were spreading the good news? It was good news nobody had ever heard before. Mm -hmm. Literally nobody had ever heard before. And I realize we, we have some places like that here uh, still, but um, I mean, what are, are we really talking about turning and walking away? Or are we really talking about missing out on abundant life? I mean, what are we talking about? But, Okay, do y'all hear what he asked? Say it a little bit louder. Are we talking about really turning your back on the good news, turning your back on the whole story and, and just saying it's too hard or it's, I'm just going to cruise or whatever, maybe just cruising the seats? Or are we really are we talking about missing out on abundant life? Okay, what do you think? Both. Somebody said both? Mm-hmm. See, I, I think the good news is just as powerful today as it was then. And even though it was the good news and it was the first they were hearing it then, when you hear it for the first time, it's like the first century. Okay? Um, the, um, yeah. Uh -huh. And when we believe and know what the truth is, there's a part of that plan that disappears because we belong to Christ, the Spirit's within us. But then his goal is to steal, kill, destroy, make us absolutely unproductive for the kingdom. So it's both. Mm -hmm. 
but it depends on where we are in the spectrum. So, you know, when we believe in God, we realize, you know, who he is. When we believe in Jesus and we give our life to him, then Satan kind of, you know, sort of loses that war, so he wages another one. That's right. That's right. I love you, if you continue with that imagery, the fruit that is robbed is not just for us. It's for the kingdom spreading and being attractive to other people. And so it's a twofold. Yes. It robs us, but then it robs the others around us of what God had intended us to be. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. Excellent. Excellent. What else? Go ahead. I think that if we go with this analogy and the heart being our being the soil, um, I think we would all say we want our hearts to be good soil, but that's a process of tilling and when you feel, you see those thorns coming up, you get them out and you feed the nutrition and fertilizer and you know, it's like an ongoing process of your heart being good soil. I think Jesus is trying to say be careful. That good soil can become these other things if you're not Tilling the soil and you know making sure what you've said these past three weeks. What are you feeding in your heart? What mm -hmm. is it your what's your soil trying to mm -hmm. support? Yeah, Greg. And I think too, if you look at, at these four categories here, if you didn't have the, the two middle ones, you only had the top one that they didn't hear and nothing good came, or the, the green one, which then it's either or. Uh, you know, it might. But I, I'd like to think most of us if we're being honest, somewhere in those middle two, we haven't gotten to the green maybe. Mm -hmm. And in and, and the red you have here, it says no lasting fruit. But we, you know, those two middle ones may have occasionally have some fruit. And it's a growth, as others have said, it's a growth. And so I think the original question is, you know, my answer to that is we're trying to come down the chart. We haven't given up. It's not either I'm in or I'm out. We're striving to be all we can be, and mm -hmm. striving to get to the better place where we have fruit that multiplies and is for others, not just ourselves. Right, and and the key is is that when we when we talk about making those changes, we think it's wholesale, but it's not wholesale. It's it's a section of your life, and it's only one part of your life. That's why all of us have some of this in our life. And it's not a new Christian or an old Christian. It has nothing to do with that. It's what, the, it's what your battle with Satan right here is all about. And he's trying to snatch it away. And he snatches it away by thinking everything's fine or you're distracted or that you're, you're going to be persecuted or the worries of life or the Lord wealth. In, in all of these situations, your soul is in control. The only way you're going to live in the, in the good soil and to move towards the good soil is when you give up control and follow the Spirit. Now, let, let, me, let me say one thing. Nobody does that perfectly. Are you with me? The key is consistency. And if you do fail... You aren't destroyed. Get up and do it again. 
learn <laughs> from it and recognize the lessons and then it should motivate us to trust in God just a little bit more. <coughs> Scott, keep coming back to one of the things that I think is can be revolutionary for us in the way that we think, um, and that's getting away from is it right or wrong to do this, but is it life-giving, or does it bring about death? Yeah. And there's something about asking honestly and being willing to follow the Spirit that allows that to be crystal clear. It's not like, oh, I don't know if it brings life or if it brings death. Like if you are honest and you ask and are willing to follow, the Spirit is going to make very clear whether it's in a relationship or a hobby or whatever it is that you're, is it life-giving or does it bring death? I think that's a great um, thing for us. Yeah, because, try to because if we focus on right or wrong, then it's not wrong for me to do that. Well, or it's a matter of your perception. Right. Mm -hmm. But when it's life or death, that's pretty straightforward. What fruit does it yield? Yeah. And if we're all really super honest, you know, the, the green is the green is Jesus. That that's his perfect life he lived. And really, you know, we all have, even when we're in the rocky and the thorny soil, we have parts of green that we're able to grab onto and refocus, and it produces good right. fruit. But it's it's kind of the mindset of always asking ourselves. In the situation we're in, am I, am I letting those bad soils, you know, take me away from the good soil, or am I, you know, am I clinging back to what is going to bring life? Mm -hmm. So we really all have, I think, a little bit of green oh, all along, but, you know, the goal is, is to become like Jesus. That's right. So move. Something that is, has been revolutionary for me in this class, and I, I, I see bringing up in the different parts of the soil, which I really travel along all four of them, I'm sure, with frequency, but was just the whole notion that Satan in his lures of us um, is not creative, and he's not that smart. He finds your thing, and so I've learned, Andy taught us to kind of think, is there a thing that kind of is our continual struggle, whether that whatever, whatever it is, whether it's fear or you know lust or whatever it is, the, the regular thing. It's it's often something that's there for years, and it's not creative. But also, that is very likely the area that God is going to use in huge ways for the kingdom, and right. Satan wants it, and that's so right. he's going to stay on it. Um, but I think that that's been a, a very uh, eye-opening thing for me to see. Oh, is so not creative. <laughs> it just opened your eyes to, oh, uh-uh. <laughs> this is Excellent. not your territory. This has been given over. We, we want to be able to just flip the switch. I kind of look like, like in marriage, sometimes men, when they, when, when they offend their wife, they want to be able to say, I'm sorry, and then it's all over. <laughs> and they're going, mm-mm. No, it's not all over. It's not that easy. Are you with me? That's, that's when, when your replacement narrative, when you're replacing an old belief with a new belief, it's, you, it's not just a flip of a switch. Now, some people can quit. It just happens. But I, I found that real spiritual transformation takes time and effort. I, I'm, I'm going to be experiencing something in the next couple of days that I'm not looking forward to because I drink a lot of Diet Coke 
I don't want to hear any sermons out there. I've heard them all. Okay? I'm, I choose to drink them. All right? My choice. But I promise you tomorrow, I'm going to have some bad headaches. Because I'm going to have withdrawals because I'm not drinking the caffeine. Am I willing to endure the headaches to get to the other side? That's what this is about. Am I willing to go through the withdrawals? We're there for a purpose, people. We may say it's wrong all day long, but we have found a sense of comfort, a sense of peace, a sense of something with it. And so giving it up isn't going to always be easy. That's not, that doesn't mean you're not spiritual. That means you're addicted. And if you're addicted, you don't want to give it up. And so you've got to be willing to step through that, endure the headaches, so that I can get to freedom. So, so the, I, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm wanting us to see. Uh, and, and, and the very things that, that you have come down to and uh, what you've said so far. It comes down to who you listen to and what you focus on. What's going to give you life and what's going to give you death. Are you with me? Here's what I want you to see. Jesus died so that we can have life. We don't have to earn our way there. We don't have to work our way there. We've already been given it. All we have to do is live into it. So quit trying to prove yourself. Quit trying to justify yourself. Quit trying to think I have to be a certain thing and just say by the grace of God, I am whole in Jesus Christ. And I am, I, if I died right now, I'm going to heaven by the grace of God. Not because of my life, not because of anything, just by the grace of God. And many of you live life much better than I do. I, I guarantee you, there's something for each one of you that you live in your life better than I do. That would be enough that would condemn me to hell if it came down to works. I'm a rascal. We're all rascals. So let's live into it. Jesus will never ask us to sacrifice for something that's not going to lead us to an abundant life. Are you with me? So ever how much you struggle, those headaches from the lack of caffeine, once I have freedom, it will be worth it. And so what I want to encourage you to do with this is to remember about focus and listening and uh, it's, it's, what, uh, it's what Ian Crone said about when you realize something's not right in your life, you need to do a snap. You need to stop, notice, adjust, and pray. Because where your focus determines what kind of life you're going to live. And 
what kind of belief. If you realize something is not a good belief, then you gotta tell your you gotta focus on your new belief. And let me tell you something about the new belief, and I gotta let us go. When you start believing a, a new belief, you aren't necessarily going to have warm fuzzies. It's going to feel fake. It's going to feel fake compared to what you're trying to leave. But that doesn't mean it's not truth. It's, it's not a truth with a little t, it's a true with a capital T. Believe in it, claim in it, live it. Okay? Father, we just thank You for this day. We thank You for Your truth. Father, we know that we fit all in these things and You told us this so that we could have self-awareness. Father, please give us the courage to face those areas in our life. Help us to find those ungodly beliefs. Help us to focus on what is true. And by Your Spirit, empower us, lead us, guide us to a more abundant life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.